Uh, before we uh, jump into the sermon, I'm going to give a couple of just a quick updates here. Um, Natalie Grant will be coming on March the 20th here uh, to Grace Chapel. And if you want tickets to the Natalie Grant concert, uh, you'll ha- you can get them at Wise Words. You can either pay with cash or with check. It says ch- only cash in the Family News Bulletin, but they'll, we'll take the checks as well. So cash or check. Um, that's going to be an incredible, incredible concert. If you've ever heard Natalie Grant in concert, she's better alive than she is um, on, her, on, her, on her albums and her CDs and everything. And that's not the case for a lot of people. Um, I find that amazing. You ever watch these award shows and you're going, whoa, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's the other way around with Natalie Grant. She's amazing. Also, baptism. We have a baptismal that we, uh, we purchased, and um, it will be constructed hopefully this week and be sitting over here. We can kind of take it up and down. But on Palm Sunday, we're going to be doing a lot of baptisms. We have 60, actually now 67, because some of the first service gave their life to Christ. We have 67 people in the last three months who have given their lives to Christ. So absolutely, if you're not going to clap for that one, you know... Um, so, you know, when you give your life to Christ, one of the things that the Bible talks about is being baptized. So if you are one of those people, or if you've never been baptized before, make sure that you get a chance to call the church office, talk to me, or talk to Pastor Chris, Chris Cox, and, um, and we'll make sure we get everything set up. But we wanna, we're going to baptize people in the first and second service, the 28th on Palm Sunday. So if that's something you'd like to be a part of, make sure that you call the church office so we can arrange that. Um, Parking team. I know this sounds kind of out there, but we need people on the parking team. Uh, between first and second service, there's a lot of traffic, and we need to make sure that people are finding their parking spaces more easily. So if you'd like to be a part of the parking team, and it's warming up now, so it's not even I'm asking you in January to be a part of the parking team, um, but we want to set this up to get a team of people out there helping people find their parking spaces um, here at Grace Chapel. So if you want to be a part of that, make sure you give me a call sometime this week or email me. And last but not least, please remember your tithe. We don't pass around the plate here at Grace Chapel, but we certainly need people to, to give. Um, we've had a few things that we needed to take care of. If you were driving through the parking lot and had to avoid the sinkhole out here, there was a drainage thing that just kept on sinking down. That was fixed. The one across the parking lot was fixed. Some of the, some of the holes that were caused by all the problems and stuff with the, with the snow were all fixed. Um, but those things cost, and especially those things, were cost little, they cost significantly to make sure that we fix them the right way. Um, and then we have just ministry things going forward uh, that we need to take care of. So remember your, your, your tithe uh, this morning and throughout the month. The boxes are over here and over here at the other wall. We don't, again, we don't, we don't talk about it a lot, and we don't pass the offering plate around, so sometimes people just forget. Please remember, because we want to continue to do the work that God has called us to do. And also, I just want to throw this out there. We have a lot of missionaries that go out from Grace Chapel, a a lot. For for the age of our church, there are a lot of people on the mission field who started here and have left and are on the mission field in Africa and India and Mexico. Um, They need continued support because in the economic times we're going through right now, some of the times the first people who get kind of cut off the list are missionaries. And we're going to be going through, over the next couple of months, all the things that are happening around the world, it will blow you away. But none of that stuff happens unless the people who have sacrificed to be there are still there. So I just, as I talk about this over the next couple of months, really want you to consider, I know it's tough economically, I understand that, but I'm going to tell you, no one stretches a dollar like Grace Chapel. I mean, we can do amazing things with a little bit 
Um, I just want to really challenge everyone who has a job, and you say that in this economic time, to, to step forward and really help out. Because this isn't just going to send people and do little doodad things and buy me an iPod. I don't have an iPod, okay? Or a flat screen TV in my office or anything. We're going to get some out here. Someone donated some money out for out here to, to pipe this out there to make it easier for us. But, um, you know, this, this money is being spent on, on significant ministry items, okay, for our church here and around the world. So I just want to encourage you to remember your tithe um, as we go forward here. All right. Dig deep, brothers. That's what I want to say. Okay, you know, I need I need one of those like you know those you see them on you know those guys. They really get in. They oh, oh, ah, you know they wipe their brows and they ask for money. That's what I need to do. All right. No. <laughs> okay. There's a box. Everybody, one by one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. We're we're concluding our series inside out this morning, and next next week we're starting a new series called Risky Business. But this is the close of this series. Uh, inside out, and we find ourselves in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I, you know, you need to love to be the Lord. Just, to, you know, hey, I need, I'm going to come to your house today for, for lunch. And you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, whatever you say, pastor, you know. Today I'm coming to your house and tomorrow I'm coming to your house for dinner. Jesus just basically says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down here. I'm staying, I'm coming to your house for lunch. Uh, so he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, which certainly he has done, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Why was Zacchaeus so passionate about seeing Jesus? You know, if you've been in church for a long time, you've you've heard this story in Sunday school and everything. You know, little Zacchaeus climbs a tree. But why, why would this man be so passionate about seeing Jesus? He wanted to see Jesus so badly that he climbs up in a tree. And you have to kind of get a picture of this, you know. You remember, you, you know, you remember when you were younger and you wanted to see something. Maybe you were at Disney, or maybe you were at some other theme park, or maybe you were at the Mason Heritage Festival, and you know, the, the, the 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 band comes by, and you want to see. And so you get on your parents' show, you get on your dad's shoulders, little girl, little boy. You get on your dad's shoulders so you can see. You want to be able to see over everyone else who's standing in front of you. Because if you didn't get there early and sit right there in that little seat in front, it's hard for a little wants to see. So they go up on their parent's shoulder or they find the nearest pole. I mean, every one of us had done this when we were younger. We climbed a pole. We climbed the nearest tree because we wanted to get a better view. Zacchaeus really wanted to see this unique man. He wanted to see him. It's not every day, my friends, that you see a prominent and wealthy member of the community shimming up a tree, okay, to get a better view. 
It, you know, it, you just don't see this all the time. I mean, this, here is a rich man, and he's prominent. You don't see him climbing a tree every day to see this, this rabbi, this, this teaching rabbi. So there's Zacchaeus up this tree. And now I want you to, I want you to try to picture this. With, pick someone in your mind. Pick the last person in the community you'd probably see climbing up a tree to see something. All right? You know, some guy in this suit or whatever. He's like real decked out, and he, up the tree he goes. Think about that. Look, it's the mayor. Where? Up the tree. There he is in the Mason Heritage Festival. You know, he's up the tree. What's he doing up the tree? Why is he up the tree? So here's this wealthy, prominent man up this tree. What motivated, what so motivated Zacchaeus that he would want to see Jesus to that degree, that he would climb up a tree in order to see this person? Maybe it was curiosity. Jesus was a really, really great teacher. Okay, and he could gather around these crowds. So maybe, maybe he wanted to see this amazing teacher. He heard about him and he wanted to see him because he was such a great teacher, and he could gather around. And may, or maybe he was. A, maybe it was because he was an incredible healer, and he heard things about Jesus healing, and he thought, "Man, I want to see him. You know, spit on, in the mud and rub it on someone's eyes, and woo, the guy can see. You know, I want to. That'd be cool to see. Maybe it was that, or you know." Maybe it was the fact that Jesus was well-known for being controversial. Um, you know, he, he wasn't one to back away from a confrontation, and Zacchaeus maybe wanted to get up there, and he wanted to see Jesus take on the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Maybe he didn't like the Pharisees and Sadducees, and, and maybe he was, and certainly didn't like them because they didn't probably like him because he was a, a tax collector and a sinner. And so maybe he wanted to see this Jesus fellow come along and, and get into confrontation with the religious leaders of the day. So he was up there seeing that, maybe, but I don't, I don't think that was enough. I don't think that was really enough to motivate his actions. I don't think that was enough at all. I believe it was the needs in his own life that drove him up that tree. It was the needs in his own life, what was going on in his own heart, that drove him up that tree. Something within him desperately was, was hoping to see Jesus. And if he, he, could, if he could see Jesus, then, then maybe that, that would make a difference in his life. Maybe something would happen in his life. I mean, people wanted to touch Jesus, be around Jesus. Maybe if he could just get a glimpse, if he could, if he could connect in some way with this Jesus, that it would make a difference in his life. I, I think the life of a tax collector probably was taking its toll on him. Because if Zacchaeus still had a conscience, which obviously he did, then the life that he was living, the choices that he was making, the lifestyle that he was a part of at that point, would, would have really even been struggling with that. He really would have been struggling through that. See, I believe Zacchaeus is like many of us. He really wanted to see change happen in his life, but he didn't have the power in and of himself to bring it about. He wanted to change. He wanted to make a difference. He wanted, to, he wanted, to, he wanted to, do, to be transformed in some way for the life that he was living, and he saw Jesus as his opportunity to make that happen, but he, but he couldn't do it on his own. You know, I, I wonder also if it ever occurred to Zacchaeus before that if he would, if he would in, give his life to Christ and he would... He would go forward and sell half of his possessions. If he was thinking through, you know, if, what if, see, if I sell half my possessions and I give back fourfold to, the, to those who I, I stole, you know, I can, I can change this. This can be changed. My life can be changed. If I, if I start to follow Jesus Christ, if I, if, I, if I do that, my life can be different. Maybe those thoughts were going through his mind as he was, you know, I don't know, but I'm just kind of 
But if those thoughts went through his mind, so did the excuses, like all of our excuses. You know, what if I, what if I need this money that I have later on in life when I'm old? You know, I, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to get old someday. And what if I, what if I need this money when I'm older? And they put me in the, in the home or whatever, in, in, in a nursing home or something, and I need it. Maybe they probably weren't nursing homes. Obviously, there weren't. But Maybe I'll need this. I don't want to be out in the street. I, I need this money for later in my life. Or, or, you know, what happens to my lifestyle? I like living in the house I'm living in. I like this nice big house. If I, if I do this, if I give this away, maybe I'll have to downsize or something. And, I'll, gee, that's going to be difficult. Or what if I lose my, my reputation? What if people don't respect me, that healthy respect in a bad way, that they have for me because I have this money. You know, you gotta, you gotta be careful with people who have that much resources because they can cause all kinds of grief for you. What if people don't have that healthy respect for me anymore? If I, if I were to give this away, if I were to change, they wouldn't see me the same way. And I'm sure all these thoughts were going through his mind. But he's also wondering, if I give my life to Christ, what will that mean for the freedom that I so want? It, it may have entered his mind, but then so would all those other things, just like in our lives, so would all these other thoughts come streaming in. See, I, I think maybe he was longing for a different life, that he truly wanted to see the change that only Jesus could bring. He, he lacked the power to bring about that change in his life. He wanted it, but he lacked the power to do it on his own. Sound familiar? I mean, how many of us really want to see change in our lives, but we lack the power on our own to make it happen? I mean, every one of us maybe could get up and give testimony to the fact that we really tried to, to limit the amount that we, we intake so we could lose weight, or we, we, limit, we, we, wanted to, we don't want to overcome the drug or uh, alcohol addiction that we have, or, or we're addicted to this or that, and we tried and we tried and we tried, and we just on our own can't seem to overcome it. And Zacchaeus wanted to, wanted to overcome this. It could simply have been a longing for change that drove him up that tree. But whatever the case, Zacchaeus is now up the tree. He's up in this tree looking for Jesus. When someone truly wants to change, nothing can stand in their way. You know, you think about him. I mean, this prominent, wealthy man, the community tax collector, everybody kind of knew who he was. And, but he climbed a tree. You, you would think, you would think in his position that a person would climb that tree would think, gosh, I'm going to look. If, um, if the mayor or the governor or someone or just someone prominent in our community was at the Mason Heritage Festival or whatever, and he climbed, and you saw him up the tree, kind of up the tree looking around, you, you'd think, what a doofus. You know what I mean? You, I mean, seriously, you'd be thinking, oh, I'm not, I'm not voting for him next time. You know, there's something wrong with him up that tree. Come on down there. Zacchaeus didn't care. See, when, we, when we're in school, we think, you know, you think in your heart sometimes when you're on a mission trip or you're, you're reading the Word of God and something, God does something in your life, and you're thinking, I need, I want to really give my life to Him. I don't just mean Savior, I mean Lord. I want to live for Him in school or whatever. But you know, you think to yourself, what are my friends going to think? What are, what are my coworkers going to think? If I start really getting radical for Jesus Christ and start really living for him, what are they going to think of me? And that holds us back because, that, because we're, we're concerned about what other people think. When you truly want to change, when you want to bring about real change in your life, you, you, you do whatever you need to do in order to bring that about. Nothing can stand in your way, and certainly not a tree. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. So he's up in this tree. And Jesus says to him, come down immediately because I'm going to eat at your house. I'm going to come to your house today. I'm going to come over and I'm going to spend time with you. 
Jesus looked at this man who was looking for him. And it was amazing because he knew his heart. Jesus knew his heart and he got right to the point. The Bible says in in John that Jesus knows what's in a man. He can see right through us. He understands what our backgrounds are, what we've been through in our lives. And so Jesus gets right to the point. He saw his sin. No question that Jesus saw his sin. He knew who he was. He's God. Jesus was God. He knew who he was, but he looked beyond his faults. This is what the amazing thing that Jesus can do. Jesus looks beyond his faults and he sees his need. See, Zacchaeus really wanted, he really wanted something and Jesus knew what his heart, was, his heart desire was. So Jesus looks beyond his sin. He saw his sin. He looks beyond his faults and he looks to Zacchaeus' needs. He has a need in his life. He saw, see, he saw his potential for good. Jesus could see his potential for good. Not, ever, not, not one single person here was made by God as a mistake. God knows that he's created you. He knows you and he's created you for a specific purpose. And he knows what you're capable of. You know, I, I, I consider myself more of a visionary, but the, compared to Jesus, I'm nothing. I'm completely nothing. But here's what I can do. When I look at people at their worst, I don't see them at their worst. I see what they can become. Sometimes gets me into trouble because they don't become what they can become. But the reality is when I see, it's not just, when, you're, when, you have a, when you have vision, you don't just see what buildings can become or what this can become. You really see what people can become because you know they're creating the image of God and if they would give their lives to God and bring about the change that God wants to see, they could be transformed into the person who becomes more like Christ, the person they were created to be. And Jesus could see this. He could see his potential for, for good. Jesus knew that this wealthy little cheat could become a great man in the kingdom of God. He saw beyond what everyone, why is he, they're murmuring. Why is he going to spend his time with this sinner? Why, oh, why, my goodness, a pastor's going to go, to, oh, go eat over that person's house? He stinks of, he stinks of alcohol, he stinks of this, and he sits next to me, and now he's going to go hang out with him? Why is he hanging out with him? Why would you want to go over to his house? And you can imagine what they were saying. Jesus, this incredible teacher and this preacher and this man who heals, he's going to go hang out with that guy? Jesus saw the potential. He saw that this, like I said, this little, this little cheat went around cheating people, stealing from them. He saw what he could become. He saw that he could be a powerful man in the kingdom of God despite the greed that was so apparent in Zacchaeus' life. Jesus could see the potential of this man becoming a kingdom builder. And that's what each one of us can become. Wherever you are in your life right now, you can become a kingdom builder. You can build the kingdom of God. You can move the cause of Christ down the road a little further in your life with what you're capable of doing. And God knows that. That's why he wants us to change. That's why he says, become holy like I am holy. That's why he says, your goal in life is to conform to the image of Jesus Christ to become more like Christ. Because if you become more like Jesus Christ, you're going to be the person that I've created you to be, and you can be a kingdom builder. Not what you are now, not what you're doing now. Not with the reputation that you have now, but you can be a kingdom builder. Jesus knew if Zacchaeus was going to change, that it was going to have to happen, it was going to take place from the inside out. God changes us from the inside out, and there is nothing more urgent or necessary for change than salvation. Nothing. 
Seriously, we can talk about change for the next year. If there's no internal change, if there's no true salvation experience in your life, then you'll putter right along. Maybe you'll make some minor change and you'll slip back when things get stressful. You want to see real change in your life. There's nothing more urgent and more necessary than having a relationship with Jesus Christ because that is where we get a true change of heart. And that's what we need to change on the outside is to change on the inside and have a really dynamic, changed heart. You know, we talk about, I say salvation. You know, you have to have that, that salvation experience. So what does that mean? You know, if I say salvation and I ask people right now, what does salvation mean? People would, most people, most Christians would say, well, that means that you get to go to heaven after you die. That's salvation. I get to go to heaven after I die. But the Bible says it means so much more than getting to go to heaven after you die. Salvation gives us the promise of eternal life, yes, but it's also relevant. It's also a reality in our lives today, today, right now. When I come to know Christ, yes, I'm going to be spending eternity with him. But it's more, it's more than that. It, it's a reality in our lives right now. I can change right now. God can do this in my life right now. It's not just about eternal life. The Greek word that Jesus uses here for, for saved and salvation means to rescue, to save from harm, to heal, to make whole now, to bring it about now. It's, it, yes, yes for eternity. Yes, it's, you're going to have eternal life. But Jesus is talking about it as making a difference in your life now as well. Salvation is the continuing change that Jesus brings about in our lives. He brings, he brings a newness to our lives that helps us to have a more righteous and close relationship with God, a relationship with God the Father, with Him and with other people, those around us, now. If you, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you ask him to come into your life, right now your relationship will be stronger. Your relationship with God the Father will be stronger. God will begin to change you now. Your life will be different now. It's not just a transformation that happens when we get to heaven. It's right now. Jesus brings wholeness, wholeness to your brokenness right now. Jesus gives you purpose for your life right now. Now, today, today, this day, he invites us to be part of his plan to save and invest in the lives of those who are lost right now. Jesus says, you can be part of this plan that I have for this earth. You can further the kingdom of God. You can be a kingdom builder. You can drive the, the purpose of Christ further down the road today, right now, in this lifetime. Salvation is more, is more than just when I die, I get to go to heaven. The ongoing change that Jesus continually brings into our lives affects those around us. It affects everyone. It's not just about what happens in my life personally, but it also affects those around us. It brings, in a sense, a wholeness to their lives as well. See, the problem with Americans, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not beating this up. This is, just, this is just from a cultural standpoint, and we really can't help it. Salvation for Americans is more of an individual event. That's it. I, I gave my life to Jesus. Jesus came into my heart. It's my relationship between me and God, and that's very true. It's all true. But salvation is more than just an individual event. 
It is more than just an individual event. God's work in our lives, God's work in our lives is like, you ever, you ever been fishing or going out early in the morning and you go, to the, you go to the lake or you go to the pond and it's crystal clear? I mean, not a ripple. I mean, when I lived, when I lived in Massachusetts on the, on the peninsula in Marblehead, even the ocean would get like that sometimes where it's just, I mean, not a ripple. You could just, it was amazing. But salvation is like taking a stone and throwing it into a pond that doesn't have a ripple, and then the pond hits, and it creates, that, it creates that ripple effect. That's what salvation is like. When I give my life to Christ, it not only affects me individually, but it affects all those around me. After Zacchaeus declares that he is a different person, here's what I'm going to do, Jesus doesn't say to him, congratulations now, Zacchaeus, when you die, you get to go to heaven. That's not what he says. What he says is, today, salvation has come to your house. Today. Today, change, transformation, the ripple effect starts today. He didn't say, oh, boy, 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 you're so lucky. Now, that's part of it. It's a big part of it, okay? A huge part of it. But Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus' change will bring new life to everyone around him. Now, they have to make their own relate. They have to ask Christ to come into their lives, but it's going to bring about amazing change starting today. How many times have we said, since we've been together, transformed lives transform lives? When your life is changed, when your life is transformed, it transforms the, life, the lives of everyone around you. I was the first one in my family who came to know Christ when I was 17 years old. None of my uncles and my aunts and my mom, my dad, my brother, cousins, no one had a relationship with Christ. Almost everyone in my family now has a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a ripple effect. Salvation has come to your house. Today, salvation has come to your house. And as your life changes and people see that change in your life, think about Zacchaeus for a second. Here's a guy who has been ripping you off. He ripped your father off. He ripped you off. He's ruined your life in some ways. He's a thief. He steals from you. Knock, knock, knock. Give me tax money. He's, he's a lying, cheating little bum. Okay, really, that's, that's, that's what he is, taking the money. And all of a sudden, Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. Now, the whole community is going to see this. They're going to hear about it. Zacchaeus gives half, his, and then he's going to come knocking on your door. And if he stole money from you, he's going to give you four times what he stole from you. Don't tell me you're not going to go around telling everyone, Zacchaeus has gone mad. The guy's lost it. He must have some kind of whatever. He's giving away. He gave me four times as much as he ripped me off, where he ripped me off. People will be talking about this. What happened to this man? Isn't it, after the, isn't it after he started doing this, after Jesus came to his house? The guy's transformed. The guy's completely different. This is amazing. How did he happen? Why did he do that? I, wanna, I want what he has. <laughs> I want what he has. This is amazing. This is incredible. I mean, how motivated are you to change this morning? How motivated are you to change? Do, do, you, do, do you want change to be a part of your life? And do you believe it's possible that you can change? Maybe you're thinking, this is just not possible. It's not possible for me to change. I've tried this already. As a pastor, I, I work with so many people who have a heart to change, but they feel powerless to bring it about in their lives. I work with, I work with parents 
who are both working really hard to get ahead financially, but it's, it's taking away from, their, from life with their children, and it's affecting their family, but they can't seem to break free from that, that, that whole momentum, that pattern in their lives of doing that and doing that, and they're, and they're just looking back, and they're, they're frustrated because they want to change, but they can't break the pattern of change, and maybe there's someone, I work with people all the time who are addicted to alcohol or drugs or whatever else, and they want to change, they want to bring it about in their lives, but they, they just can't seem to stop drinking or t- using it's just so frustrating for them. It's hard for them to overcome. I spend time with people who, who have a difficulty with control. They're control freaks in a lot of ways. They just they can't help it. Maybe something happened in their past, and, and so they feel like they've got to control everything, but they know that control is having a, a negative influence on their family, but they want to be, be a positive influence in their family. They don't want to be a negative influence, but they can't seem to overcome that critical spirit and that spirit of control that so, that so permeates their lives. I spend so much time with people who long to be more than they thought they could be, but they're stuck. They just feel like they're stuck. Zacchaeus may have been stuck, but but he was ready to break free. You know, know, his his conscience is eaten away at him, but he may have been stuck thinking, well, what if I I give this up? What's this going to do in my life? But he was ready. He he has had it. He wanted to to make a difference in his life, and he wanted to break free. He wanted to become a different person. I think it's important that we always remember as we read through these things. For those of you who are new believers, this is really important. It's important for everybody. Remember the context of what you're reading. Context means kind of what's happening before this story, what's happening after this story. This is interesting. As we read through this story, it's interesting that Luke records this story of Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus shortly after he had an encounter with another rich man. Shortly after that. Um, you can go back just a few verses in your Bible from, from the Zacchaeus story to Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 27. Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 27, you'll, and you'll find the story of this rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, Jesus tells, and he says, oh, I've been doing that since I was a child. And so Jesus comes along and says to him, sell everything you have. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, then come follow me. Notice he didn't say to Zacchaeus, hey, Zacchaeus, half of what you, no, 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 all of it. You have to, in order to follow me, I want you to sell everything. Give away all of your money to the poor and give back tenfold, whatever, blah, 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 until you're a pauper and you have nothing left. That's not what he said. You know why I believe, you know why he didn't say that to Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus no longer, money was no longer his God. He, in his heart, said, Lord, whatever, whatever, I, I'll, give, I'll give half my possessions to the poor and four times, you know, I want to follow you. I want to change. And God knew his heart. God doesn't care if you're a millionaire or a billionaire. He does care if money's your God. There's a lot of poor people, seriously. There's a lot of people who look at rich people and go, oh, man, see, money's their God. You know, not really. Money's your God. You, you have less, and you're so consumed with how, oh, I can't give, or I can't, I, can, I would love to give, Pastor. I would love to give this or that. And I see people suffering, but I can't give. Why don't we have these, these oh, those rich people should give more? Why should they? Is it money their God is or your God? You don't, you, I guess they should trust God more than you trust God? See, Jesus didn't say to Zacchaeus, no, no, no. He said it to this guy. You know why he said it to this guy? 
Because he knew the guy's heart. He knew it was in this man. This guy's, oh, from childhood, I was blah, 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 blah. This guy didn't recognize his own sin, and he didn't recognize his need to change. And Jesus got right to the heart of it again and said, yeah, you want to? Okay, here you go. I'm up in the ante. Get rid of all your possessions and come and follow me. And he was like, hmm. He had the same choice as Zacchaeus. He really did. And he probably went through the same questions in his mind. Whoa, what if I... What, what, are people going to respect me? What if I need this money long term? What about my lifestyle? I'm going to have to change my lifestyle and blah, blah, blah. And he went through this whole thing and he says, well, I'm not going to be doing that. As this young man then lowers his head and walks away, Jesus says to him, I'm sure with a heavy heart. Jesus wasn't just, you know, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm sure he said this with a heavy heart. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. You ever wonder where that passage comes from? It comes from this. Than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this, they asked, who can be saved? Who then can be saved? And Jesus basically replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. God can change a person's life. It is very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because money becomes his God and he doesn't want to part with his God. He won't give up his God. But even there, people say, well, who then can enter the kingdom of God? A camel through the eye of a needle. And Jesus says, what's impossible with man is possible with God. God can change you no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you're doing right now, no matter what you're involved in, it's not too much for God to change. Those who heard this asked, uh, they, uh, they said that, they, they, they came to him and say, who then can be saved? And then Luke records this other story about the rich man, this other rich man, Zacchaeus, and we find out what God is capable of doing in this story. We find out what God is capable of doing, that what Zacchaeus is, uh, demonstrates what is possible with God. He was set free from his greed, my friends, to live in generosity. He was set free from living a life of injustice to promote justice. He was set free from a life that would lead to death to a life that leads to eternal life. What's the difference between these two rich guys? That's the question. What, what's the difference? Both men take the first step toward toward living a changed life, seeking out Jesus. They, they were both seeking out Jesus. The reality is if you want to change, if you, want, if you and I want to change, we need to invest time and energy in our relationship with God. That's really what it boils down to. If we want to change, we need to invest our time and energy into our relationship with Jesus Christ, reading our Bibles, just to, even if it's just a small amount each day. Get in the habit of reading your Bible, praying, spending time with God in prayer, when you're driving to work, when you're on your way to school, when you go to bed at night, when you wake up in the morning, just spend some time. It could be just serious. I'm not being, you know, sacrilegious, but you're brushing your teeth. Why can't you talk to God when you're brushing your teeth? I mean, just talk to him. Build that relationship. Spend time serving and investing in other people's lives. We need to make growth in Jesus Christ a priority because that is where the true change comes about. It's in our relationship. It's a growing in our relationship with God that the power for change comes. It's in his spirit living in us, living in our hearts, that brings about transformation in our lives. It's as we pray and we allow God to speak to us and listen to his direction. When we want to change, it's going to be risky. It's going to be every time you want to bring about change in your life, it's risky. But we need to take that risk. We need to take that risk, trusting that God will do what is necessary in order to bring about success in our lives. God will do it. But we need to take that risk. Both rich people here were seeking out Jesus. Both were seeking out Jesus. The difference was that one listened to what Jesus had to say or what he wanted him to do, 
after his next steps. He listened to what the next steps would be and the other did not. One of these men, one of them in faith made a bold and courageous change in his life and was given, was given the gift of freedom and contentment and joy. And the other walked away stuck in his old patterns, destined for a life of regret. And you want to be miserable? Be in that situation where you are living. When that guy lowered his head and walked away, can you imagine what his life was like after that? He basically was saying, I'm choosing, I'm choosing this stuff over a relationship with God, over God. I'm choosing my stuff. I'm choosing this. I'm sure, I'm not sure what happened after that, but I'm sure for that time in his life, his conscience was gnawing at him and the regret that he probably will live with for the rest of his life. What about you? Are you looking for God? Are you looking for Jesus Christ? Are you willing to climb whatever tree, whatever mountain, whatever, and cross whatever sea or, or, or river is in your way? Are you willing to do that in order to find a relationship with Jesus Christ, in order to bring about the change that you want to see in your life? Are you looking for him? Because he's looking for you, and he knows your heart, and he knows what you need to bring about a change in your life. He knows what you need to see transformation happen in your life. God knows it. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you better than you know yourself. And my question is, will you take the next step in your journey to change? That's my closing question. Will you take the next step in your journey to change? Because it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like Zacchaeus, today, salvation can come to your house. Just like him today. You have to make a choice. You're going to be like, the rich young ruler, you're going to be like Zacchaeus. Today, salvation can come to your house. Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me. John 3.16 says, listen to this. You've heard it before. Please listen to it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You'll have eternal life. He can start changing you right now. The change can start happening. The reality of change can start happening right now. You can be that rock in that, in that, in that pond that has that ripple effect and affecting the lives of all those around you. God wants to have a relationship with you this morning. He wants to help you change, but change for God starts from the inside out. It starts from the inside out, and, and that means that we each, each of us, at some point in our lives, and for some of you that may be this morning, need to ask Jesus Christ to come and live in your heart. Let go of the excuses and surrender your life to him. The excuses, all the excuses that you've given in the past, let go of those excuses and surrender your life to him. You've tried it on your own, my friend. Now let the one who created you change you. If you want that relationship with God this morning, I want you to pray this prayer with me. This prayer is not magical. It's not a magical prayer. You don't have to say these exact words. The supernatural power doesn't come from the words that I'm going to share with you. They come from the heart of the person who desires them, who truly wants that relationship with Christ. So if you would pray this prayer with me, if you want that relationship with Christ, pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it to yourself as, as I pray. God, I've tried to make excuses 
And I tried to make these, these, these changes on my own for such a long time. And I've done it long enough. I believe that you sent your son Jesus into the world to save me from my sin and to give me eternal life. But he also came into this world, Lord, to change me right now. And I want that change right now. I ask for the power of your spirit to live in me and change my life from the inside out. I don't want to do this alone anymore. I've tried and failed. I don't want to do it alone anymore. Come into my heart. Dwell in me. Change me from the inside out. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, today, Jesus could come and dwell in your home. If you prayed that prayer this morning, what I'd like you to do, I'm going to stay up here after the service is over. I want to get, I have a, we ordered some Bibles. We've had 67 people come to know the Lord in the last three months, like I said. Hopefully there's more this morning. Um, but I want to give you a Bible. I want to give you another book that will help you on your, in, your, in your journey, in this faithful journey, the next steps. So if you come up and just and talk to me, I really appreciate it. I want to connect with you. Um, and let's, let's just really, I mean, just know one more encouragement. God has been really moving in our body. I mean, people have, I've led people to Christ in my office. I've led them after church, in the services. Chris and other pastors have led people to the Lord. Children have come to know the Lord in the last um, 67 people I'm talking about. Don't include teenagers and children. God is truly moving in our church. We need to continue to fill this place with people who don't know the Lord. The next few series are going to be dynamic and they're going to be exciting and it'll be a great opportunity to invite those who don't know him to a place I think is pretty comfortable. So take, take the time to pray about one person, just one person who you'd like to invite to come to Grace Chapel and let's see those lives transformed. Afterward, I'll be staying here, so come on up and talk to me if you prayed that prayer. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.